Are you sitting in a space where you are struggling with anxiety? Do you feel like a prisoner to the cycles of depression? Do you feel stuck in your own life and feel frustrated and lost, but yet you know there is so much more on the other side of this mental breakdown? I want to hold your hand through this therapeutic life healing journey. I will help you navigate emotional healing, spiritual growth, and taking massive action so you can align your mind, body, and spirit to completely transforming your life. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, of stepping into your power and experiencing your breakdown as your breakthrough. Hey, I'm Adi. I'm your therapist, your coach, your mentor. Join me as we heal your life together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Therapeutic Life Healing with Adit. I am so excited to have someone that I am admiring from afar, Megan Logan. Her workbook has changed my life and my clients' lives. She is a author and a licensed mental health professional in the state of Florida. Megan is the author of the self-love workbook for women, release self-doubt, build self-compassion and embrace who you are. I can't recommend it enough. It's actually number one on Amazon bestseller. And if you haven't gotten your hands on this workbook, I highly recommend you do so. Megan, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I love that we've gotten connected um, through Instagram and that we're able to talk about self-love and how that applies to people's lives. I can't wait to pick your brain about that and share with the audience, you know, your journey through, you know, how you define self-compassion, especially for women um, on their healing journey. So that will be our topic today. But just before we dive in, can you share a little bit about your work? Sure. So I have been a licensed therapist for about 22 years now, and I'm currently in private practice full-time in Florida. I've been in private practice for about 10 years. But prior to that, I worked for different domestic violence and sexual assault centers. I worked with abused children in foster care, worked for a hospice program. So I have pretty much been in direct practice my whole career. And this opportunity presented itself last year for me to write the self-love workbook for women. I was getting emails from a marketing publishing company, which I think what they do is they find professionals in in, in the nation and they uh, recruit them to write books and then they can um, get them published. So I went ahead and took advantage of that last year and it's opened up a lot of doors and been really exciting. So I would love to say that I laid in bed thinking about the self-love workbook and being inspired to write it. But once the opportunity came in, then I realized that uh, it was right up my alley with the work that I've done for my whole career and all the women that I work with specifically. So that's how the self-love workbook came to be. And what I love about it, Megan, is that you really did a nice job incorporating like it being interactive um, for the reader and for the, you know, to just kind of break down what we as therapists talk about cognitive behavioral therapy and it made it digestible. And, you know, a lot of uh, some of my clients, I, I refer them to that workbook and they do it in complementary to therapy. And so it's really nicely kind of organized in a way and structured in a way where it's interactive with the reader and it kind of really helps lead them through their healing journey and root in self-compassion and love. What has been the most impactful part of creating that workbook for you? 
Sure. It's interesting. When I first wrote it, I was thinking, well, no one's really going to buy this, but I'll write it because I can give it to my clients and they can use it in their therapy. So I really wrote it with that in the back of my mind. Um, and since then, for whatever reason, it's it's done really well and reached a lot of different women's lives. And so one of my favorite things has been, I think, every day for the last, um, since September, when it was published, I get messages from people saying how they're using the workbook, whether it's people individually sharing how they're, how the workbook has helped them, whether it's groups of women in book clubs, or whether it's professionals and therapists that are using it in their practice. And so that's been, to me, the coolest part is knowing how far-reaching, even in other countries, I've, I've, it's internationally um, on that level. So that's just the coolest feeling in the world. Yeah, such an impact and far reaching. And I, and I would love to actually, you know, ask you how you would define self-compassion. It's interesting because there's a couple different words floating around self-compassion, self-love, self-care. And the way that I kind of, for whatever reason in my mind, I encompass it all as self-love. So self-compassion is, is the tone and the practice that we have in terms of how we speak to ourselves and how, how we encourage ourselves when we hit obstacles or even when we're succeeding, it's the tone that we use with ourselves. And self-care is some of those more um, practical practices that we might put in place, whether it comes to eating, eating the right foods and treating our bodies in a healthy way or practicing spirituality or spending time with friends and family. So both of those are super important. And to me, all of them encompass self-love. Self-love goes beyond just the act and it goes deep within and then it can spread outward into your relationships with other people and truly, I think, the world around us. Eventually, that spills over into a much bigger global perspective. If we love ourselves, then we can pretty much change the world as women. How have you, whether it's with yourself or with your clients, have seen self-compassion the umbrella of the self-love in the day-to-day? So I think self-compassion, a critical component to self-compassion is that we are kind and encouraging to ourselves when we're struggling. So life is full of ups and downs and we're, we're hardwired to have struggle. We're going to struggle in life. And when we learn to embrace that with a compassionate tone, we can get through anything, any obstacle, any challenge that, that we're enduring or going through, we're able to get through it. Self-compassion allows us not to give up. It allows us to keep going. So we think as women, if we're critical and we're negative and we try to um, fix things that are wrong with us, that that's going to make us better. But I've found over time, it actually makes us worse. It makes us a worse version of ourselves. So, and for me personally, I, uh, in high school and college, I had an eating disorder and that was a hundred percent true for me. The more I tried to be perfect, the more unhealthy I got. And I may have been very successful in terms of what my weight was from an eating disorder perspective or getting perfect grades, uh, but I, I killed myself to be the best in the process and it ended up making me a much worse version of myself. So I think that self-compassion when it's practiced on a daily basis is the kindness and the encouragement that we give to ourselves when we're struggling, when we're succeeding, when we're just going through our basic daily lives that we continue to keep going and not give up and overcome obstacles as they come up. Yeah. I love the way that you broke that down. I think a lot of listeners can relate in their own struggles of trying to be perfect or 
trying to measure up to a certain expectation of whether their family or of the world is putting on them or themselves. Like we put ourselves on, um, you know, a certain standard that is in many ways just impossible to attain. And then we beat ourselves up for not attaining that Mm -hmm. yet. In the meantime, we're actually doing a lot more than um, we think we are. And I often tell my clients too, you got to cut yourself some slack. You got to give yourself some grace. And, you know, you've been through a lot and to really kind of notice the accomplishments and, and the small wins daily. And that, that way people have returned to this place of grace. They're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like we need those gentle reminders sometimes. How have you seen women or, you know, as you shared with your own journey in the day to day use self-compassion, what has that looked like? If there's like a specific example that you experienced or common that you've seen in, in your practice with women really notice like that point of I'm being harsh on myself and what does self-compassion look like? Is it positive self-talk or something from the workbook that really stands out to you that um, you think could be really helpful for listeners to try to even apply today in their own life? So I think a lot of times when we don't come at things from a self-compassion or a compassionate approach to things, it tends to be very distorted and uh, much more negative a lot of times. And so when we're practicing self-compassion, it doesn't always mean it's the opposite. It doesn't always mean that it's something that's positive. Sometimes it can be neutral. So we can have a more of a neutral stance, just mindfully noticing that this is just what it is. It's not good or bad right or wrong, it just is. And to me, mindfulness is an integral part of self-compassion because we are just noticing and observing without putting meaning on it. And a lot of times when we shift judgment, whether it's good or bad, we become fused to whatever the belief is. We put more energy into that negative belief, whether we're trying to disprove it or whether we're trying to prove it. So I think a more helpful way of looking at it is asking yourself, is this thought helpful? If this thought is not helpful, what is going to be a more helpful thought for me to have? And then that can then propel you into making more positive changes. So I'm trying to think of an example. Let's say I wake up late for work and I'm beating myself up and, oh my gosh, Megan, this is terrible. You're going to be late for your clients, probably waiting for you. How unprofessional. Um, that's a, maybe a negative thought that I might have that might ruin the rest of my day or make me feel really bad. So a self-compassionate response would say, you know, you're human. You hate mornings. You try your best. <laughs> um, you, you, you're running a little bit late. Maybe uh, there'll be understanding of that. And if they're running late the next time, it'll all it'll all work out, and and everything will work out just fine. Um, in the grand scheme of life, it, it's it's okay. That's a really great example. I think that's just how like our day to day lives just they happen, and those thoughts we have so many thoughts that just come in and out of our minds constantly, and they really like to think about them like like clouds they just are, just allow them to pass by and not kind of attach to any one of them and when we do they turn into beliefs and the, you know that's where the beliefs can then turn into many ways like can be a destruction to our own you know self sabotaging destruction you know destruction in our own lives um how have you found the workbook and just in your work in general Megan like helping people to transform their thoughts and using kind of the CBT model, the cognitive behavioral therapy for folks that might be their first time hearing about what that is. How would you break that down and helping them to understand 
how they can apply that in their life. So CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. It's probably the clinical framework that I was trained on and, and have used the majority of my practice, although I'm shifting a little bit more into acceptance and commitment therapy. But um, CBT really has roots in identifying the way that you think. And there's different distortions, uh, thinking errors, I guess, that we may have. All or nothing is one that comes to mind. It's either all good or it's all bad. And we don't look at the gray in between. Um, so when you start identifying your thought errors, you can uh, uh, see how it, uh, your thinking affects how you feel, which then affects your behavior. So it all starts with the way that you're thinking about things. Now, I find, and I think I incorporated some of this a little bit into the book that sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes just changing our thought does not connect in our hearts. We know it in our heads and we do the cognitive work to challenge distortions and think about things from a different perspective, but then, then we're left with, okay, well, I know that in my head, but I don't really believe it. So that's where I think when you tap into creativity and you do some of the exercises for more, some of the more creative ones, whether it's something to draw or using music or tapping into your values of things that are important to you as an individual person and your gifts and your strengths, then you augment the CBT into being something that you really truly wholeheartedly believe and embrace. So it goes from just your th thoughts to actually truly embracing who you are and what you feel so that then you change your feelings and your behaviors. Yeah, I, I, I love that you uh, mentioned kind of the sister of CBT is like, the um, acceptance commitment therapy. And that's one that I really also wholeheartedly stand behind this kind of idea of radical self-acceptance. How would you to kind of then define uh, acceptance commitment therapy? Like what does that look like for folks and how they can um, also maybe kind of take away something from um, this radical acceptance of their, their thoughts, their feelings, their decisions at times? That full-on radical acceptance is, again, mindfulness on steroids. It's just completely fully embracing that this is what it is and that we, it doesn't mean we don't change or challenge things. In order to change something, we still have to first accept that it is what it is. And it's it's the wholehearted just allowing things to, to be even suffering, even struggling, even uncomfortable feelings. When you're talking about self-compassion, it can stir up and become really uncomfortable at times because you're having to acknowledge the darker parts of yourself. Self-compassion is not like everything's great and I'm happy and everything's wonderful. It, it That's more along the lines of self-esteem. Self-compassion is when things are not great and wonderful. When I have had some darker parts to my personality or things that I'm engaging in that are destructive, it's the, it's the true honesty of dealing with those darker places with kindness and compassion and acceptance. So with acceptance and commitment, what I like about that approach is it really highlights pivoting towards making energy putting energy towards your values, the things that really are important to you in life. So your values might be different than my values. I might value learning and curiosity, and you might value something else in terms of success or some other definition of success. But when our lives are incongruent with what our values are, that's when really things start becoming amazing. So when you're practicing self-compassion, you're, you're getting in tune with yourself. You're treating yourself in a kinder way. You're dealing with those darker sides. You're exploring and figuring out what your values are so that everything can be in alignment in your life and things start to fall in place. Then that doesn't mean we're ignoring the shadow, the dark spaces, the 
self-destructive patterns, the things that we need to improve and work on? Yeah, one way that I feel like um, has really kind of resonated for some of the women that I work with is, you know, we oftentimes are wonderful at giving like compassion to others. Like if our best friend is coming to us with an issue and she's struggling or someone else that we love or someone in our life, if we have children or whatever, we're we're constantly meeting them with a lot of love and, you know, kind of forgiveness, um, grace. And so sometimes it's helpful to kind of flip that. And I feel like if acceptance commitment therapy does that, where if you were to take yourself and view yourself as that best friend, um, and what advice you would give her if, if you were to kind of say out loud the things that you were struggling with, what advice would you tell her and then flip that and give that to yourself and kind of really come into that place of nurturing um, and loving yourself through the rough and tough times um, that we all have constantly, consistently. I mean, life is not easy and it's constantly throwing curveballs um, at us. And so we're constantly having to show up daily. And I think that's where you were mentioning mindfulness being such a root in all of this, that it's a daily practice because we're constantly being bombarded now more than ever with social media and the news and, um, you know, comparing ourselves with others and saying, well, why am I not, you know, uh, what's wrong with me? If so-and-so is, you know, able to work through this thing, why am I so anxious about it? What's wrong with me? And I love that book that Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry came out with and kind of reframing what what's wrong with me to what happened to me. And that's oftentimes where I think acceptance commitment therapy is coming back to, well, you're having this anxiety because let's remember everything that you've had to experience that has led you to this place that someone else hadn't had to deal with or experience. And so let's, let's kind of put a pin in their life and, and really focus on um, what happened to you and processing that and where and why this anxiety may exist within you. And, and sometimes that, that can be hard. That can be hard for oh, people yeah. if you have a history of trauma and you've never had it modeled. So it's a little bit easier to be compassionate and kind to other people and to yourself when you've, when you've experienced that in your life. But if you haven't experienced in your, that in your life, that can, it can be very triggering doing this kind of work. It can be very difficult. Absolutely. What are ways, um, Megan, that you have seen women working through that discomfort, that place of like, I'm not used to being graceful and kind to myself. I'm used to, you know, kind of beating myself up and not being kind to myself. So how have you seen yourself or women go through kind of that journey and, and what has it, what has helped them take them to that other side where they can incorporate more of that radical Mm self-acceptance. I know for me, um, me personally, having children really helped me with that because the way that I would talk to my children was typically not in a critical negative way. If I wanted them to do something or to be successful, I would encourage them and I would talk to them in a supportive and nurturing and coaching kind of a way. And so that helped me really realize that I needed to extend that to myself as well. Um, When we're in that critical negative framework, I think we think it's going to make us work harder or be better. And that's not what ends up happening. It ends up making us a lot of times feel worse about ourselves and engage in more self-destructive type of behaviors. So it has the opposite effect. I agree. And I, I feel like it just takes some consistency and kind of pushing the edge just a little bit and just 
you know, each time coming back to, you know, that self-talk where I think the workbook can be so helpful in remembering like, okay, I do deserve this, whatever it is, this time to myself to just uh, self-care that I can put everyone else on hold and just focus on my needs or um, to give myself forgiveness that I am human, that I can make mistakes and that doesn't define me or my life. So it, I feel like there's this, this constant rem- reminder that um, to work through that discomfort is to just stay consistent with it. And, you know, with time and practice, just like everything else, you know, kind of it'll stick. It'll stick with time, consistency and, and patience um, and things like the tools like this workbook is a tool to use. Um, we all have a toolbox that, you know, we can access and feel like your workbook is such a great addition to someone's healing journey to just add it in your you know, toolbox and use that as, as another form of an outlet to really return to this place of um, self-love and self-acceptance. Yeah, the first step is that awareness is really recognizing that that's even a problem in terms of the way that we talk to ourselves. So we can't change something if we don't even realize we're doing it. And so having that mindfulness and that awareness is probably a critical component, which isn't something that just magically happens. It's in it, You have to set the intention and practice that consistently, like you were saying. It takes time to build up to where you just incorporate that into the way that you think on a regular basis. Absolutely. And Megan, as we come to a close, where I would uh, love to steer people in your direction, where they can find the workbook, what's next for you, and where they can find your work and your services. So I am in St. Augustine, Florida, and um, I have an Instagram that I just recently started after I wrote the book, and that's been really a cool way to get connected with people. It's just Megan Logan, LCSW, and um, I will be writing another book. I'm working on just the starting stages of that with a different publisher, and that book is going to be a kind of a journaling workbook type thing um, centering on nurturing. So I'm very excited about that. And that, I think that will come out in 2022 at some point. So that will be my, my next big book <laughs> that I do. Okay. I can't wait. I want, yeah, I want to know when it gets released <laughs> and uh, can't wait for that. Um, but in the meantime, people can find your workbook. Where, where, was, oh, where would yes. it be the best place? Probably Amazon's the cheapest. Um, you'll get it the fastest and the cheapest through Amazon. And uh, but I think it's anywhere books are sold. So Barnes and Noble, Target, you can pretty much find it anywhere. And I'll add the links uh, in my show notes for your Instagram page and the workbook. As we come to an end, Megan, what would be something intuitively that just comes to mind as a life advice or something to leave listeners with that? we haven't talked about yet that would be important to you to share with them? So I think as women, we tend to put other people first a lot of times in our lives. And that when we recognize that we all have our own individual gifts and strengths and unique qualities that make us special, that that the time is now to open up and explore that and be able to share in the world. Like it, it, we can't wait till after we've raised our kids or after we've reached a certain goal professionally. Like it's it's now is the time to do the work to tap into that and to be able to transform and change your life. So noticing and recognizing what those gifts are, it it takes work 
and it takes time and it takes effort to nurture that. And it's really amazing and exciting once you figure that out, because then your whole life can transform and change. Amen to that, Megan. I love <laughs> everything you just said. Thank you so much. We'll have to have you on when you when you publish your next book, uh, your workbook, and have you come on and talk about nurturing, because I think that's another great added aspect to the self-love journey. That Thank you awesome. so much. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I trust that you took away some gems, some highlights for yourself in this episode. And I want to invite you to dive deeper with me if you'd like to schedule a one-on-one personalized healing session where we can really dive deeper into what's coming up for you, what you're struggling with, if you're in a place of transition in your life, whether that's relationships, careers, if you're struggling with boundaries, and we can really unpack that together and create a breakthrough session for you. Go ahead and email me at hello at aditc.com. That's hello at aditc.com. It's also in the show notes. I also offer a virtual master course That's a therapeutic life healing master course that's virtual, self-paced at home, and it's guided with slides and videos of me really walking you through a three-week structured program that will help you learn about boundaries, understand fear in the brain and how it has shown up in your life. There's journal prompts and guided meditations. So go to aditsi.com and click on virtual master course.